I've always been intrigued by the stories of people in the jewelry industry who make these items, what inspires them, and brings them to this world. I'm here to share their stories. This is A Thousand Facets. Sarah Burns and Jay Melor are the curators at Jilwyn Jewelry in London. Their support for the art has made the store a magical place for handcrafted jewelry. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi Jade, hi Sarah, how are you doing? Hi, we're really hi, good. Hi. <laughs> Happy <laughs> to be you. here. Yeah. So, um, I just want to tell me, where were you born? Where do you grow up? Um, I was actually born in Quebec, in Canada. You were? Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I was only there till I was about five years old. Oh, really? But um, I guess being there was quite exciting. Like, I have really distinctive memories of that. Like, my, my life is sort of, like, split, so I can have really early memories of, like, snowy landscapes and oh. making little, like, maple syrup sugar things. So. Oh, that's really beautiful. And then I moved to Yorkshire. Really? Um, and grew up in Yorkshire. Oh, wow. And you, Jane? Um, so yeah, I'm from the countryside as well, so we're both from the north of England, I'm from the northwest, and I grew up in a really small village in a converted chapel, so there was um, lots of antiques and curios around and it was it was kind of a bit remote in a way, it, it wasn't really, but just because we didn't have local bus services and things like that, you kind of left your own devices, um, and all my sisters are quite a bit older than me, so I was kind of left to entertain myself. <laughs> and make things and you know kind of come up with games for myself and always making and creating yeah. so that's kind of my my childhood and growing up that's awesome i just forgot to say and before um so i originally met you met you guys well i learned about jade's work um through to the internet she used to make this beautiful resin very statement rings in like resin and gemstones together and i really love that work and i posted it on my tumblr this was like when the dinosaurs were alive and <laughs> sarah i met her through jill wing they both work at jill wing jewelry um which is one of my favorite stores in, in my favorite store in london uh and i loved the curation that you guys did and um we did in 2018 i think it was 2017 mm -hmm. uh opal show together fire and facets and uh i came to london to do the show with you and i met you and i really connected with you too it, we always connected when we spoke on instagram and on whatsapp because we have a little whatsapp group chat yeah, <laughs> together um and then um You know, we've really connected, and every time that I come to London, I have to come and see you and hang out with you and go to the store and look at all your beautiful jewelry there, and it really makes me very happy. Every time that I see you guys, you have both a beautiful smile and a gorgeous face, so it makes me so happy. <laughs> um, do you have any memory of, like, jewelry? Um, First have, memory. Yeah, I have... Um, I'd say my memories like of jewellery are like looking really carefully through and investigating like my mum and grandma's like jewellery boxes and like laying things out and organising them. But I have like really distinctive memories as well of like treasure hunting um, because where I grew up in Yorkshire, I used to go and visit like a Victorian dump. We used to be allowed. I used to be allowed to go and like take a little trowel and like dig really? through it. And there's all like tiny little fragments of glass <gasps> and pottery and tiny little doll's head. Oh, wow. So I used to like go and excavate them, and that's like kind of my like special place of like discovering oh, do you have treasures. Any pieces left? Like it, you do? Yeah, I oh. still have like lots of little pieces, and um, I can still now. Although they have actually kind of concreted it over and turned it into a nature reserve. Yeah. Um, when there's no nettles and kind of brambles, you can still go there and find like little pieces. It's not quite the same as it was basically 40 years ago when I was doing it. Oh wow! But um, it's still. It's, there's still little things to be found, so oh, I'll take my children so to explore. Beautiful. I love that. It's gorgeous. What about you, Jake? Um, well, I didn't really have jewelry in my family so much growing up. Like, I didn't really have like you know my mum's or grandma's rings like yeah. some people might have had. 
Um, but I remember my sister, because my sisters are, you know, kind of all a bit older and all were very cool. Like, you know, they were like into fashion and collecting things. Um, and I, I was really obsessed at school with ancient Egyptians when we were learning about those. And my sister had a scarab brooch. Oh, wow. And I remember being obsessed with it and dressing up for a fancy dress party as Cleopatra and wearing the <laughs> scarab brooch and dancing around as a little child, you know, as you do. Um, and the scarab brooch fell off. And it broke. No. And even now, it gives me chills. Like, I was inconsolable because at that moment, I was so upset. I was so upset for my sister. And I just really knew, like, how important that brooch was. I don't think she was even that bothered herself. (laughs) But for me, I was just, I was bawling for hours and hours. The party was finished for me. Like, I was so upset. Um, So that was, like, quite an early memory of just how, like, jewellery could be so emotional and important to you because you just think, oh, it's so like you you felt like her love for the the piece yeah you know you felt connected to that so oh that's it's it's it's, sad, it's really sad. Sad. Yeah, we all do know pain. that's how we connect to understand the importance of jewelry i've also got like a really heartbreaking similar men- memory of jewelry as a child and um i was given like a tiny little gold ring with a heart on it which in the 1980s was the kind of thing you'd get oh, given you know one. it was a special yeah a special yes. present when i was about eight years old and um i was wearing it on a holiday in france and we were in a dinghy on the dodoine with my brother um and my brother was like is your ring okay is your ring okay and i was like yeah it's fine and I sort of like went like that with my finger and it just went ping over the side and I remember my brother jumped in to try and get it and I was like actually really surprised because I actually thought oh wow he actually really loves me (laughs) but I was absolutely heartbroken because obviously we we couldn't get it back and I felt really guilty for like letting everybody down I'd lost it so quickly oh I'm so sorry like I I I still have to this day uh when I was 10 my parents took me to a jewelry store and they're like pick whatever you want and I have um, a blue sapphire heart shape which is terrible right now and they had like a uh, two you know like two little um, X's on the side and it was like and I still have that ring it still fits oh. which is crazy oh wow it's like it you know like I will never wear it because it's definitely not my style um, right now but like it, I have it uh, hanging from a chain and it's like I see it every That's day true. and it's like I don't know it's just something that I, I've had it forever so it's like really sweet um so how do you came to the work of world of jewelry like how what was your start I think like I I mean I'm sort of like from basically a family of like scientists and accountants so it's completely different that's very fascinating yeah a totally different like kind of background um but I think like I was always gonna want to be like making like my happy place like growing up was always like making and finding little things and I'd make little collages and tiny little matchboxes with little scenes inside of them um and then basically when I did manage to go to like do my art foundation I was always like kind of picking things up and putting things together so my first piece of jewelry that I made was actually um made out of copper electrical wire and tiny little catkins that I'd found and they were sort of like sewn onto the wire with like different tiny beads and I can remember that my art tutor who I had she actually decided to buy the piece from me it was like the first thing I'd made and then I'd sold it and like for me I'm actually quite like also quite like a commercial perspective so that was like quite incentivizing Um, I was like really happy to have sold something I was like oh great this could this could be good but I never really considered um even though that had happened I didn't really think of jewelry as a career I wasn't Mm -hmm. really sure what I was gonna do I was still quite like open-minded and um I went to when I went to apply for university I was sort of in two minds, so I was looking at like mixed courses between like English language and arts. And then when I took my portfolio, I was lucky enough to have somebody there who was like, "Oh, you should go to the jewellery department. Like your um, portfolio really suits that." And I just happened to have like the kind of day where you sort of like totally change direction, and I fell into something that I really loved. Oh wow, that's awesome! I love that. What about you, Jake? Um, yeah, I think, again, like, jewellery wasn't really something I thought about as a career. Um, when I was younger, like, my dad, he's a cabinet maker joiner, so yes. people were makers in the family, but I, I, obviously I didn't want to be a joiner or a cabinet maker, that wasn't what interested me. Um, but I loved making and was always making art and sculpture, so that's where I spent, like, all of my time would be making things for my art class 
and then studying art um, and then going off to do an art foundation and it was kind of being in that department where I was trying out different materials and being able to be quite experimental was really good but I think because I have an ADHD brain it was also too much there was too many different things too many different materials and I found it just I couldn't focus I'd start a bit of this and a bit of that Um, and actually for um, a birthday present I was given some book tokens and I ended up being able to splash out on a, a really gorgeous expensive magazine which for me I wouldn't be able to buy which was Amelia's magazine which some people might remember um, and on the front there was a free beautiful charm by Tati Divine which was different to their usual work it was uh, like a cutlass like a silver metal cutlass um, that you could put on a, on a chain and that was like oh this is like a piece of treasure it's a contemporary designer but they're making something that you know you can wear and it could have been from hundreds of years ago Uh, and also inside there were interviews with um, and like more information about Tattoo Divine and a jeweler I'm sorry if I mispronounce his name because I'm not sure but Florian Ladstater Um, and it just opened my eyes that wow these people are making jewellery but not the jewellery I'm used to people seeing growing up near like a small town you know, you don't really see that kind of jewellery, but um, it, it was, like, colourful. It was acrylic. It was made of resin or, or fabric or, yeah. or anything concrete. Uh, and it also had bat for lashes, like, <laughs> doing an editorial inside. And she just looked amazing, like, from another planet. And yeah. this this magazine basically opened my eyes. And I was like, OK, I'm going to go off and I'm going to make weird and wonderful things <laughs> and go off and, and do that. And that's the thing is, like, I just feel like, I grew up in a small town too. Like I, I started with fashion. Like my life was fashion because I thought that that was like because there was like a lot of seamstresses and designers and whatever where I grew up. But like I never saw jewelry as a career. Like you'll see like a jeweler making jewelry in in the, in a in a little tiny shop and they will like have like gold jewelry and different things. But like I never saw that as a as a career and it was not until like I graduated from college that I really started digging and you know and, and until I came to New York that I really went deep into it that I, I, I said wow like I wish I had had that knowledge before I um, I was picking a career because I will have totally have something different but I went to the fashion part but it's, you know clothing <laughs> part yeah. so it's, it was like you know, I, I wish more people knew, uh, like, when we were kids. Because now, I feel yeah. like right now, online, you can see so much and you can see, like, the opportunities that are out there. But when we were kids, like, we didn't have that. <laughs> yeah, kind of the fashion world, you, that's what you're more used to seeing. Like, yeah, you see exactly. You said Vogue magazine, you see, yeah. like, all these magazines, you see clothing, clothing, designs. clothing. But, like, jewelry was always, like, a, a, like a second thing. Like, yeah. it's never, like, something that you saw it as a, as a main thing. And I feel like it took me so long to actually find it that I, I, I think that it was I, a little lost time. But, <laughs> but maybe you were still lucky to get close enough just to find, you know, and that's part of the journey as well, isn't it? True, true. You know, so, yeah, but I, I, oh, trust me, I, like, I've i made up for it because now I oversee you. Like, I see so much jewelry now. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> indulged with it. <laughs> so it. so um, you two both have jewelry background and jewelry making how do you found your voice and what do you wanted to concentrate in I think um so after like leaving university I mean I had like really like influential times when I was at university because I was able to go and study in South Korea as part of an exchange um and just seeing like how valued like the craft industry was over there like that was really exciting for me and really inspiring and uh, you know when you even though I was in on a jewellery course I think I began to actually see oh you know I could actually make a career out of this rather than just like having found something which I think I enjoy it was a bit more like I could begin to see a little bit of direction um 
um, and that I definitely wanted to stay in that industry. And then after leaving, I just thought I've got to just find a place where I can continue to do what I'm doing. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to get a role at a gallery in Yorkshire, um, in Salts Mill at the David Hockney Galleries there for a lady called Kath Libert, who was a really wonderful advocate of jewellery and like an amazing mentor. Um, and I also worked for another jewellery designer, Chris Philipson, who studied originally at the RCA. So I had sort of like making and the gallery side of yeah. it going on. So you understood both worlds in a way. Yeah, and I really enjoyed finding out a little bit more, you know, in those early career years where you're sort of still trying to decide where you want to be. Yeah, I love that. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think there's some similarities there. Um, I think I was really, really lucky that because I was making work that was different, maybe at a time when like blogs were just kind of starting out, yeah. um, it it really made a difference, people being able to share that kind of work. Yeah. So obviously for yourself, your blog, um, a, a brilliant blogger in the UK, Susie Lau with Style Bubble, you know, the exposure that it can give somebody and the boost it can give somebody who understands your work that meant that I was like, I was working in um, a jewellery gallery like as my uh, job as soon as I graduated, but it meant that also I was carrying on making my own work rather than being sucked in too much into a full-time job. Yeah. As soon as I got home, you know, it just meant that I would be making, you know, I turned like a tiny, tiny room into a little workshop yeah. and I would just be obsessed. You know, I'd get up in the morning, I'd put some work out to set and I'd come home in the evening and I'd just be getting it out and... I don't know, I think, yeah, that, that really kept me going um, to be able to connect to people online through blogs and be able to share all these different ideas and alternative materials yeah. early on. I know, it's, it's like, so how, how do you start it with the alternative materials? Because do you, like, your work was, it's very different from what it is now, but I've really, like, it still called my attention. It had, like, a, such a voice. I think, like, the, the common theme running through it is always, like, the wonders of nature. Um, and like I said, I don't, I didn't really have jewelry in my family growing up, but we love uh, natural history and like ancient history. So it's the feeling of going into a museum and seeing the most amazing mineral, or seeing an ancient treasure with kind of molten edges, and it's that feeling. It's like, how can I wear that? How can I take something from that and be able to carry it around with me all the time and feel like that? Mm -hmm. So I think with my jewellery, that's what I always wanted to do. And um, studying in Manchester and then living in Manchester afterwards, I would always walk past Manchester Museum. And that's where I would just always spend my time whenever I could, just um, kind of studying the minerals, getting to know the curators there. And they were really helpful and let me go into the stores and open all the drawers and um, kind of look at more things deeper and yeah. learn more about them so yeah that I think that's it it's really like the natural world and how you can show how precious it is and keep it with you and other people can gift it to people and wear it as well yeah well I'm a huge fan of the natural world so I really understand you <laughs> um so how how Jill when came to be like how did you guys got got there <laughs> Um, I guess I'd so I'd moved back again to my hometown after like uni and a few other like adventures but I was just like began to get like you know real kind of like itchy feet and you know when you're like where do I need to be like and as a time I really want to be like making like a lot of sort of decisions about my life and doing loads of interesting things and like being somewhere where there's like loads of busy activity going on mm -hmm. so I got quite desperate really to move down to <laughs> London and there was a bit of a negotiation period with like my relationship at the time with my now husband mm -hmm. but um yeah and uh, eventually when we'd sort of agreed that that's what we were going to do I just started looking for a job and literally the next day I'd happened to see the job advertised at Jill Wing and how long, um, was, how long ago was that? I would have been about 14, oh. coming up to about 14 years ago. Oh. Um, and uh, at the time I'd been, I'd sort of like left my other gallery job and I was teaching um, jewellery making, which 
uh, is a mixed bag for me because I absolutely love teaching jewellery to people and creativity to people, but the kind of bureaucratic side of it mm-hmm. and the admin side of it wasn't suiting me at I all. I understand so completely. <laughs> I was really ready, like really, really ready to have a change and I'd always always loved the gallery work. So, um, yeah, when we'd finally made the decision, literally the next day, I saw that job and uh, I had to basically beg them to interview me because I was living in the north of England at the time and um, they'd already interviewed like 10 or 12 people so um, and they said I could come down so I like went down like the next day or something and uh, was able to just like have a chat I'd already had like some of the experience already um, and was lucky enough to get that job so I was literally moving within like a couple of weeks of making the decision so um, it was like quite an exciting time and everything just kind of fell into place like it sort of sounds like it was quite easy but I think sometimes when it's just the right opportunity for you that's how things happen so I was very desperate to get that job I just thought this will be perfect (laughs) (laughs) I I understand you completely how about you well I think that I was really lucky that that happened to you and you were amazing at paying that forward because then you really recognized when I was in the same position um like quite a few years later uh, like my other half, he's always lived in London and, and was living in London. I was living in Manchester and it came to the point where I'd been making my jewellery and um, I'd been working, uh, I'd left the jewellery gallery where I had been working full time and instead was working part time to try and support my making and support renting a jewellery studio um, and then it just came to a crunch point of, okay, I'm commuting all the time, see my other half in London I really need to kind of keep jewellery in my life and I don't necessarily want to, you know, I was making, trying to almost make jewellery for a living but that was also changing how I was making Mm -hmm. and how I felt about making the jewellery and paying for a studio and things like that. Um, So I saw the opportunity when Jewelling Jewellery was looking for um, some help, like looking for some staff on the gallery team and I was like, this is it. This is going to be it. This is what I need. You know, I'll be working with jewellery, with jewellers. Uh, it'll be so much better for me. I'll be able to move to London. Um, and I was just phoning up after I applied. I was like, did you get my application? Yeah. <laughs> it was like this super enthusiastic person on the phone. And just kept calling. I was just like, oh. And then I was, we were already quite far through, like, again, the interview process with, yeah. like, various people and trying to make the decision. And I was actually pregnant with my first child at the time. So there was a bit of a deadline on it, you know, when you yeah. like, we need to get, like, the right people. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think probably after the first conversation I'd had with you, I was... Um, thinking I was like this sounds a bit familiar I kind of like recognize this sort of like enthusiasm (laughs) and passion and so I was like and you again I thought well she's in Manchester like we've really got to get somebody really quickly like is she going to move down and then I was just like oh Sarah you've been here what are you doing why are you even questioning this so yeah it's really like a full circle for you yeah I called you back and I was like okay Jade you're going to come down for an interview and then as soon as we met we just sort of clicked didn't we yeah it was like a sparkly kind of relationship wasn't it how how long ago was that so that'll be about uh eight years uh this month yeah wow. eight oh year anniversary from oh we have there. to yeah. celebrate <laughs> we're celebrating tonight <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will. so um so the thing is that you two basically have taken over the shop yes you know and you're mm-hmm. you do all the purchasing all the all, all the curating yeah and how's that process for you guys? How do you find new artists? How do you give the opportunity to new artists? Mm. I think it's um, finding jewellery that we're excited about, but also um, having been there for such a long time, we've really got to know the people who are who are coming to us yeah. and what they need in their lives and what they what excites them. You know that they've found common ground with us. So yeah. it often is things that we love but maybe style-wise we're buying for those particular people so we're really thinking about this person or what they would wear or you know different professions different passions yeah the benefit of us both having been there a really long time is that we're quite able to like recognize like our customers yeah um so those sort of like key points that you Mm. want to kind of fulfill and so we'll always try and like although I think the shop does have like quite a strong sort of like brand style then there'll also be like 
kind of trying to find like the right mix of things that fulfill different categories we spend quite a lot of time talking about that don't we (laughs) yeah exactly it's really thinking about okay we just know that this is going to be perfect for that christmas gift you know when the husband comes in and they want something that looks a certain way and then when she wears it she's going to feel amazing when she puts it on on christmas day or you know it's it could be like that everyday hoop with a twist yeah. so something you know we just think about like how are they going to wear it how are they going to feel yeah. when they get given it or when they're wearing it and there's definitely phases that we go through as well where we're like we just can't get enough like you know like customers will come in and they'll have like certain things about their sort of like body or like elements that they want to like really emphasize and so there'll be elements of that that we pick up on it in the buying and we'll be like we need to get lots of studs with a dangle because that's like a really elegant chic style that people enjoy wearing like in the daytime or taking through tonight mm-hmm. and Oh, that's, and, but I love that because you're like really thoughtful. You're really understanding your your community around you mm. and like the people that really believe in you. And like for you to really think about them and really put them as a priority. That's like really special. Like I, I'm, I'm sure that they feel really special and they and that's what they will keep coming because they feel like you're part of their family in a way. You know, like they under they they know that you understand them and you respect them, and I really I really like that, and I feel like that that's something that, I'll, uh, there's, uh, it's missing in some retail, but I know that with you guys, it's like they're part of your 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 little community, and you try to feel because I've been to the store in the way that you treat your customers and in like. You really, you know their names. You really like treat them like a family in a way, and you you're like so sweet with them, and, and I, I I love that. I'm just like I'm like I just want to stay here. I, every time that I go to the store, I just I just want to chill here and then just <laughs> hang out. <laughs> we get so excited though because I think um, like our customers, obviously with jewelry being like a special purchase, mm-hmm. and then of, for it is being bought for like a lot of celebratory reasons. But some of the occasions that we get coming in are just like so exciting and surprising Mm. aren't they and we've had some really lovely personal customer stories like related to that and for us it's just like a treat being allowed to kind of like be involved in someone's like you know special like element of their life in that way so I think that's like just makes it really worthwhile doesn't it yeah it is like like it ripples out you know I think that the point is that jewellery means so much to them and it means so much to us in that way that them choosing to buy something from us or for us to help them it's like yeah it's like a privilege but also it kind of rubs off on you like the special moment and their excitement and then also for us sometimes people come in and they're having a bad day and jewelry is uplifting so if we can create an uplifting atmosphere they're also getting that with with the piece even if they don't need to buy anything or don't want to buy anything that day you know, just coming in and having a look. But I just looking at effect. it, and you can like play. Even like if you're playing with them, and uh, they they just feel special, and they're like, oh, this person took the time, and like really, I don't know. I was feeling bad, and I I came here, and now I feel really good. Even if they, even if they don't buy anything, they just have that experience, and yeah. that's what is really important. I think that you guys give an experience to the your your community and the people that come to the store which is really nice. That's it, and I, I do think we try to have like a few things um, in the gallery that like we can randomly show customers because they're like interactive yeah. or like surprising. And yeah. so like if designers are thinking of like adding elements of that into their collection, it means like it's something that we will really want. Yeah. Because even if a customer's not necessarily going to buy that piece, it's just like lovely to be able to show them something that yeah. they're not expecting. Yeah. They walk in thinking, oh, I'm just browsing or I just want to buy a small pair of studs for like you know my great aunt but then if we can just show them something a little bit extra they remember us and then more likely to come back and think or like tell their friends about what a nice time they had while they were shopping at Jill Wings and that's important that's that's the most important thing and um so you have a very eclectic taste in like in the in the gallery you have like some fine jewelers we have some contemporary jewelers um how many how many artists do you carry right now it's usually about 50 yeah around about yeah it goes up and down a little bit um and at christmas time we usually have a little bit more just to offer a wider variety where we have more footfall and um kind of higher turnover but yeah it's it takes a lot of admin so it does obviously mean that we're really really busy with the admin side by having lots of different makers 
but it also means that you know we learn things all the time so we're learning about different techniques that we've not used before which is great well, so, yeah. which is great it's like and so how do you pick like um do you so and you carry sometimes like like a uh Uh, an artist for like a few months and things like that do you do you bring them uh, as guests to your shop do you do that yes we do we do tend to kind of like rotate I would say like a proportion of the jewelers mm -hmm. but then obviously if we've had jewelers for quite a long time it's like that relationship has built up and the customers also like come back again and again for some of the same jewelers yeah. so we tend to keep like quite a core And then just occasionally swap things in and out. Yeah, and just bring like little surprises once in a while. Yeah. Because you guys, I, I, I like the, and, and one of the things that I like about your shop is like you always have like these beautiful windows and you really like bring um, just like something really special. Like this month we're doing this, this month we're bring, we're exhibiting this particular designer, we're featuring this artist. Like how do you decide that between, between the two of you? I feel like that's really kind of grown and developed, hasn't it, over the last yeah. few years. We've actually really, like, allowed the artists to have quite a lot of, like, creative freedom, but in a way that has to kind of be, like, on brand for us. So it's been really interesting to see how that's developed and giving them almost just, like, a, a gallery space to, like, fully embrace everything that is really special about that particular person. Yeah. And as that's grown, it's kind of got stronger and stronger hasn't it yeah I think it's a really amazing opportunity to show how artistic jewelry can be yeah. as you say it is like it's an exhibition it's um much more of a gallery feeling because people can they walk past and they stop and they stare and they yeah. cross the street to come and see it and it means you get a really strong look of one designer's collection yeah. for example or like one particular theme Um, and I think that's really important because, you know, jewellery, there are so many jewellers out there now, like there are more than ever. Mm -hmm. And I think what we really look for is a designer who does have that really strong look. They have a strong voice and actually being able to present that on the high street is really lucky. Like on a London high street, yeah. that is amazing. Like there'll be jewellers that we've picked out who they might not even have a website And they get to, you know, they're now really? showing, like, uh, like we have celebrities walking past or, oh, you know, right. lots of politicians in the area. And it just means they're literally under people's nose. It's like ground, you know, exposure, like just there. It's quite cool. <laughs> and it's like I'm looking at your faces and, and you can see how much you love doing this. And it makes me so happy because, like, you know, it's like it's, it's, a, it's such a beautiful space to just give artists that platform to show their work and like really tell people their stories because I know that you tell people like the customers like the stories of the artists and that's something really important so that the customer can connect with the artist as well even if they don't meet them but you guys are like their voice in a way and I really like that absolutely it's one of the things that we really love finding out about as well though Like, yeah. it's really, really good to understand the work really, really well. It makes it much, much easier for us to sell it. So you can really get behind it and um, appreciate it. And there's so many, like, I, I know a, a, a good amount of the people that you carry, and they're, like, so lovely as well that you're like, yes, you're here, and you're in a, in a safe space <laughs> that, <laughs> that you're going to be loved and you're going to be represented properly. And that's what every, every artist's dreams. Like, that's what you want. You want the, the person that is selling their work to really care for it. And I think you guys do it beautifully. Thank you. Thanks It's so always much. quite a balance for us between, like, finding, like, really unusual kind of work that is, like, less commercially, like like maybe a little bit more unusual or difficult to wear but mm. then also like having a lot of pieces where you just know like someone's going to put them on and like instantly just feel a little bit chic and yeah. they can wear them all the time Is it, that's the way that I like to feel always <laughs> <laughs> um, so where do you see the store going forward where, like where do you want to take it how do you want to really keep growing it mm. I think it's maybe What, what we've been doing, so as we talked about really getting to know our customers in the local area, because, you know, the gallery's been there for 25 years, is it? Probably longer yeah. in different a different form. 
Um, and it's how we can do that and have that feeling, but to a bigger audience, mm-hmm. because we've never really kind of done that yet. Like we are still, you know, kind of um, really connecting to the local people, but we've, yeah. There's still like a lot of opportunities for us, isn't there? Yeah. But, um, to translate that as well to an online experience, you know, yeah. to be able to sell online in the same way. Yeah. You know, we we have an online shop, but we'd love to do more of that and maybe bringing more of the stories to be able to share that in uh, kind of online, that would be maybe the way. Yeah, and I guess like we, because of obviously the challenges that the galleries recently experienced in terms of like the pandemic, mm. then there's been like a lot of times when we've had to kind of like really, we've sort of broken it back down again, haven't we? And like basically had to start from scratch yeah. with a lot of things yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there was so many things that just didn't work anymore. We're like in a new sort of like business landscape, I guess, yeah. with that. That's, that. that's very interesting. And, and, and yes, it's like getting to know people again because people have changed a lot. Like we all have changed after yeah. this past two years. So yeah. it's like, so people are going to see things in a different way and it's like getting to know them again, getting to see what, their experience was and how can you make them uh, come back and like really understand where they're in this place now because yeah. it's a different it's a different stage in their life I feel like customers are shopping completely differently really yeah just in a few years it's totally changed hasn't it like we do so much bespoke work now yeah um, never that's that's beautiful it's the emotional connection isn't it it's just like that's jewelry's always been about that in essence but it's like it's recognized within our sort of society now and they just want to put more layers and layers of sentimental meaning into it so like inevitably the sort of like drive to push forward like bespoke has happened like yeah, that's sort of naturally. So, can you tell me a little bit about your best bespoke work? Because I I know you guys in house jewelers and like everybody that works in in the store pretty much is a jeweler in a way, right? Is it true or like am I right? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So how how do How's the process of the bespoke work in in the store? Well, the bespoke work is not just like with the the colleagues in the sh- in the store. It's like it's supporting all of our artists okay. as well with yeah. that. So, um, if a customer were to come in, then I'd be really, I wouldn't be necessarily like um, promoting like our like colleagues work over like another artist Mm -hmm. I would always want them to choose like what I felt like was really the essence of their style like what they were looking to kind of find so I think yeah there's a there's a few of us isn't there within the gallery who like can really spot like customer styles like quite early on maybe even before the customer knows about it yeah and then we have to go on like quite a long journey we've sort of already decided what we think is going to suit them and what they're going to buy, but then we'll go on like a long journey and a, it's like, like jewelry matchmaking. It is yeah. <laughs> helping them find like their new love. I, yeah. love, I love that. Or the designer, you know, I it's think, like you're going to love this. I, I think that's so that's so sweet, you know, because like you really are putting like a a, a little bit of yourself in with the customer and then trying to find the the art the artist that is going to be perfect for them. It's just really uh, it's really lovely. And I think the bespoke side as well is it's also being able to listen to the customer and rather than you know trying to persuade them that the stock piece is yeah. the piece for them, yeah. if they're saying that it isn't, it's like, okay, well, maybe we do need to change this yeah. or maybe the designer needs to adapt the design a little bit yeah. and actually the designer will really appreciate that feedback and that bespoke piece, they might end up then adding that into their collection. Exactly. Yeah, which is so, great. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, it's like it it's all goes in a circle and it's just... It's building again the community. It's just like you know, hey, like this person instead of the the round hoop, they like the oval hoop or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, and then when they see it, they're like, oh, this is actually really good for my collection, and they will add it to it and this and things like that. That's really, that's a, a good um, way of working for sure. Yeah, and that's definitely happened with some of the special rings that we've had made for like the treasury project. So, mm-hmm. like watching how that sort of develops and like encouraging like the artists to maybe use like bigger gemstones yeah. and like can slightly you, can you tell me a little bit about that project yeah so the the treasury kind of came about about 
we were discussing like kind of our dream pieces and obviously because the with the gallery we try to run on like exhibition basis mm -hmm. um so that involves like the pieces being on consignment and it means it gives us it works really well for us and also for the artists because it gives us a little bit of freedom to like really tailor the collections and like keep things like moving over and keep the stock really varied and beautiful um and then we also wanted to be able to like actually support the artists more with like kind of more financially and like actually get like our total dream rings and necklaces in yeah. so i think then it sort of kind of came about quite naturally where we were like right if we if we can envisage this piece like we're sort of like the, in a way their best customer because we're like we can envisage this, this magical piece and we know how well that they work in like a certain style but we want to push them like a little bit further so the treasury pieces have always really been about that haven't they yeah it's that conversation that we would have where you'd see the collection and you just see like there's a piece missing or like a next level that they can push it and yeah I'd love to see them do this I'd love to see them work with this gemstone or you find a gemstone and you think this would be perfect for that person they've never used this before and we know that our customers would love it so it's it's making that happen basically we we're like oh why don't we just do it why don't we just get them to make it oh, I love that I, so how often do you do it do do that collection do you have, no, is it, it's like an annual thing or it's just like throughout the whole year yeah it's kind of a rolling project isn't it mm. so um so it's just like a, a, a just to have you have it in the store and it's just like that this is the treasure co the treasure collection and it's just for everybody to just come see it and purchase it yeah and they, they've tended to be more like one-off pieces like yeah. obviously because the gemstones are like specific we've sort of made like editions of when like but they'll always be quite different to one another won't they yeah um in terms of like scale and like different combinations of gemstones so it's yeah we've always got like a couple in, going on in the background but they tend to take a little little while don't they yeah it's to come to fruition usually I mean, it's also that thing, like, I think also, like, trying to explain to our clients about, like, the handmade process, because anything... It doesn't take five hours to no. make a piece of jewellery. And yeah. it's just, like, there's so many <laughs> stages and elements yes, to it. Exactly. And especially when we're working in a collaboration with a designer, then obviously, like, we'll have, like, a lot of discussions. Yeah. But it's also great because you're giving an education to the customer and, and mm -hmm. like explaining to them like this takes time. This, you know, if you want something beautifully made that is thought out, that is uh, gonna last you forever, it takes time, mm -hmm. and that's like that's good. But I, I think it's like once you talk to them and explain, the people understand it. You know, it's like, it, but it has to have that education. Uh, so before I start my complicated questions, is there anything else that you would like to share about your store? Hmm. Come and visit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is um, can you tell me the address? Yeah, it's one eight two. Yeah. Yeah, one eight two Upper Street, Upper Islington. Street. Yes. Which is a magical, beautiful place that I absolutely love, and you should totally come by. I'm coming in a couple of days. I'm yeah. very excited too. <laughs> um, so I always like to ask this complicated questions uh, before we end. Um, what's your favorite gemstone? I, I'm gonna have to go sapphire. <laughs> That's a very f a, a favorite of, of England right now. Is it really? <laughs> yes. No, I yes. think I think a bicolor sapphire would definitely be like <sighs> my favorite. Love um, I love how you can kind of see like different worlds within them and like different kind of skyscapes within them. I yeah. just think, and you can kind of tell it's like totally natural. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Jake? I think uh, there's so many, it's hard to pick, but um, I do love a garnet. I love the depth mm. of a garnet and the yeah. kind of historical vibe you can get from garnet set in gold. It's yeah. just delicious. Yes, I love that. Uh, what's your favorite metal? Ooh. I'm would say definitely yellow gold. Mm. I'm like all about the kind of like sumptuousity of like yellow gold. Uh, yeah, I really like um, recycled yellow gold. So that's something we've been doing a lot at the gallery and me myself for commissions. 
um, you know, by recycling gold, sometimes you can get some really beautiful, unusual colours. Mm -hmm. So it might be a slightly paler yellow or have a bit of a peachy tint mm -hmm. that you see in a lot of antique gold as well, because, you know, historically people have been recycling gold yeah. forever. So sometimes in more like Georgian and Victorian pieces, you'll get some really unusual, slightly warmer tones of 18 karat. And I just think they're beautiful. I love that. Um, what's your favourite technique or tool? So many tools. So much love for tools, actually. Um, I think for myself, though, I have to say, like, I really have really, really enjoyed the freedom of, like, getting to know the casting process. Mm. And uh, until I started experimenting with casting, the casting process, I don't think I'd really, like, quite found... I, I, I just find it so freeing. And I'm... Um, Yeah, I kind of came about to that because I was sort of when I when I was away on maternity leave, and I was sort of at home and I couldn't really do. Like, and then having that sort of like wait to see how it would come out, yeah. I think that's just yeah, it's been lovely. Mm. I'd say tool wise, I don't know if this is a bit of a cheesy answer or something, but I think like my hands, like I really appreciate being able to handle the materials. So working a lot in waxes and soft waxes. Um, or even just like uh, when I was working in resin, you know, it would all be hand sanded. So it was being able to actually feel the shape and make yeah. sure the shape feels really nice. Well, you have like this new beautiful collection that you've been working on. And, and can you tell me a little bit about it before we continue? <laughs> oh, of course, I'd love to. Um, so the, the Cadiz collection, um, that's really inspired by uh, natural history, like the Natural History Museum and a visit where I went before lockdown and got to see all these amazing specimens of cocoons by the caddis fly and mm. its larva, which is kind of a little caterpillar-type creature. Um, and I've just been obsessed with uh, the amazing things that they make. They're like these architectural shapes. Some of them, they look like Andy Goldsworthy sculptures in miniature. And I was, you know, under the microscope looking at them all and sketching them all um, and trying to translate that into, into wearables. So using different types of wax, soft waxes, hard waxes, carving, shaping, melting and building and trying to almost be like a little human caddis fly and actually making these shapes around my own fingers. So they should feel very cocooning, very comfortable, but also protective. Yeah. So it's got this element of kind of organic material like the creature would use itself um, and feeling very rustic and like it's just kind of been pulled together but at the same time, almost like a piece of armor. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Well, I'm excited to see it. I will be looking at that collection in a couple of days, so I'm really, really excited to see it in person because I've been like drooling over your pose because they're like, there's like that texture is just so magical and it's just, I don't know, it just feels so tactile, you oh, know. Thank you. I really love it. Uh, who's your favorite artist? Doesn't need to be jewelry, can be anything. Right now. It doesn't need to be... <laughs> I know we've spoken about this, Joe, but I think, <laughs> like, I feel like I always come back to looking at Romilly's work and mm. her magical little I know, creations. I know, I know. Romilly Suarez. She's, like... She's a dream. She's a dream. They're, like, dreamy little landscapes. Yeah. And, um, she has just the most beautiful, like, uses the most beautiful, like, little ancient elements to it. Yes. She's just... On, like her work is just stunning yeah it's that sensitivity isn't it and the combinations of materials that's so exciting like yeah. you, you can tell as soon as you see a piece you know that it's hers I know it's like it, I cannot every time that I go to Goldsmiths Fair I just have to be there for too long <laughs> too long of a time but it's never long enough I know <laughs> and then I saw today this little jewel box I don't know if you saw it with the shell on the top with the clusters on it and I I almost cried oh, when the, I saw the it the shell yes. so beautiful It's you know why we love it though as well because it does take us back to those childhood memories like my yes. memory of like digging in the Victorian yeah. dump and mm -hmm. finding little treasures she manages to take those pieces yeah. and then just like add little elements of precious metals yes. and gemstones I and know, make so it into our kind of grown up like fantasy yes. of what jewelry should yes. be yes exactly exactly <laughs> I I, it, her work makes me cry. It truly makes me cry. <laughs> She saw me crying earlier. Yeah. Um, what about you, Jane? 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, jewellery-wise, I definitely agree. Like, Romilly is uh, is just so amazing and inspiring. Um, otherwise, it would be, like, sculptor. Um, I really love Louise Nevelson, um, you know, Henry Moore, like, all these people who are taking beautiful shapes, often, you know, inspired by nature and making these really amazing forms. And I think that's what jewellery can do on a smaller scale. Yeah. You know, if you're not wearing it, you can just be looking at it. Exactly. And enjoying all the different shapes. I love it. Uh, what's your favourite thing to listen while you work? Ooh. Ooh, um, so many. There's, like, artists that I really like. I like I like quite like listening to a band called Lane 8 at the moment. Mm. Um, I like listening to podcasts. I love listening to books. I listen to a lot of Audible. Um, I recently listened to a book, you might know it, it's called um, Braiding Sweetgrass. Hmm. don't know if you've heard of it. I'm trying to remember the author. But um, basically, it's a Native American Indian woman and she talks about like becoming a scientist, but also how she was able to kind of like marry that journey and like learn so much from nature. And I think that really... It has a lot of similarity with like the way that we are inspired and find work and ha everything that you can learn from nature and what nature is telling you. It's really beautiful. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I, ah, I haven't really been listening to much music uh, while I've been making, but I have been um, maybe having a really nice old movie on in the background, mm. like something that I've probably seen ten times, yeah. like an old black and white film, and I know that it's there and it's kind of comforting and keeps me from getting too much in my own head. Yeah and I can just be playing with the materials. Um, but I do really enjoy different scents, and I've got a candle that's, um, the scent is meant to conjure up the smell of an allotment. Mm. So it's very outdoorsy. I mean, my, my flat is it's pretty outdoorsy in that we've got trees outside, and it's a little bit more suburban, but it is in London, yeah. and you do have traffic outside. Yeah. So having a candle that just takes me to this feeling of oh. the outdoors and rain and soil and dug earth, that's what I love while I'm making. Oh, that sounds yeah. so lovely. Helps me focus. I love that. Um, do you have any advice for future jewellery um, artists? Mm. Wear what you make. That's one of the best things you can do in so many ways. Mm. I like that. I think it's really important for like artists. I mean, artists can always come to us for advice. Like we're always actually really, you know, generous with giving advice on things. Um, I think it's really important for them to really understand, like, from a commercial perspective, like what's going to work. Yeah. And for us, that definitely means like having quite like a cohesive, strong collection. Um, I think go out there and ask people, like, get advice from people such as us, though. Yeah. I think people wait too long, maybe, like, hiding away and wondering. Yeah. So well, it's kind of... That's that's a great advice. But yeah, the wearing of the jewellery, though, I, I am surprised sometimes when some designers, they just, they don't wear it. I know! And the point is, you've got to see how it feels. Yeah, feel it on. adapt it, you know, give it to friends and family, see what they love. Like, yeah. you're designing for yourself and for them, because jewellery is meant to be worn, and sometimes people just miss that completely. Yeah, that's, that's such a great advice. I like that a lot. I feel like you're always going to sell a lot more work if it feels really good to wear. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's very true. That's very true. Well, Jaden, Sarah, you are the, the most delightful scrumptious ladies <laughs> ever. You're scrumptious too. <laughs> and I love you so much. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you for being part of this interesting project that I really want to do. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's it wonderful pleasure. to be invited. Thank you. Well, thank you. Bye. You can follow Jade and Sarah on Instagram at Jillwyn Jewelry. Visit her website jillwindjewelry.com Thousand Facets is produced and edited by me. Please visit a Thousand Facets on Instagram to see photos of some of the things we spoke about during the interview. Music by Chris Keys. You can find him on Instagram at chris underscore keys underscore underscore. Please remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. <laughs>